0: hello i'm brad and i'm jason you are listening
1: to dice
0: Dice i i think back to what what life was like uh december of 2019 and how different
2: the before times
0: yeah the world is and and we had, we obviously the pandemic had a humongous role and I mean, we, you can't quantify and you couldn't even try to go through all the changes that have occurred. I right. can look at it. I look at it from a business perspective just because that's where I kind of live. Yep. But um, you, we both have done a good job of introducing change that they see from their perspective that we might, that the other person might've missed. So I'm richer myself for that. From listening yeah. to you,
2: oh, and vice versa. Yeah.
0: That being said, yep. Um, we're going to be talking tonight about um, race, ethnicity, mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. in um, in D anD D. Yeah. And I think this translates to other games. Mm. And I'll have a thought on it after the interview that came up. But the problem I had is the more we talked about this, the more questions and just. I, I, the curiosity and we had, we, we, you know, I'll let you introduce our guests, but we had said, we'll keep this to a certain amount of time. And I finally had to say, okay, I can ask it questions in Twitter and I can send some messages and things. And, and, but there was, there's, there's going to be, I think for folks, I hope, mm -hmm. I truly hope our listeners um, are the type that will listen to this and see the benefits of this. Mm -hmm. um at a bare minimum and i hate to i hate this to be this way but at a bare minimum just and i've said this elsewhere how enriching it creates and makes the game
2: well and i i think i think you know brad if we have if we have learned anything about the rpg community worldwide through this podcast through our our interactions on twitter through reading whatnot it is that this is a wonderful and welcoming community Mm -hmm. and i i think we are going to be preaching to the choir here and so so with that i really hope so and i
0: expect so but i just if if there are folks that are are going to be this is going to be kind of a new topic for them might be new
2: yep think about it get get the book so so we're specifically talking we in in a moment you we are going to share our interview with with dr gwen marshall who is not merely air quotes an actual philosopher but Mm -hmm. is now an author and Game designer. How cool is that? But what brought her to our attention is uh, her book, and she's got others, but her book, Ancestry and Culture, An Alternative to Race and 5e. And so we don't want to say a whole lot about this, I think, right now, Brad. We'll get into the interview. But essentially, this is a response to the concerns about racial essentialism that have been raised in the past few years uh, in the fantasy RPG realm. As you'll hear, it it applies equally to sci-fi and superheroes and whatnot. But... um, who knew it turns out thanks to to gwen's work and others that that by moving past racial essentialism by recognizing that um there are both issues of ancestry biologically and culture societally that not only are we better representing the real world in our fantasy games but as you'll hear you can hardcore geek out on character development we should we should probably stop there Let's because stop there stop yeah, there because we, we just we got excited in the interview and we'll yeah. just they don't have to hear it twice
0: yeah so yeah.
2: so um without without further ado uh we are really pleased to bring you a, just a really enlightening conversation so here we go gwendolyn marshall is a full-time game designer for 2c gaming as well as a frequent freelancer for Pinnacle Entertainment, MCDM, Archvillain Games, and more. She is also designer and co-owner of Arcanist Press, with whom she won two Ennie Awards. Her titles include Ancestry and Culture, An Alternative to Race in 5e, and S5e, Super Heroic Role Playing for 5th Edition. She is also a college philosophy professor, a parent, and a pansexual transgender woman. <laughs> All right, well, Gwen, thank you so much for joining us um, this evening. Um, Later for you than it is for us, because you're on the, well, I was gonna say you're on the East Coast. You're in the Eastern time zone, Uh, yeah. um, Not so much the coast. Or are you not? No, I'm in Central now. Oh, because you're, okay. I moved to St. Louis. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. So what brought you to St. Louis? I mean, it's a neat city, but.
1: I grew up here. So I moved back to be near family during the pandemic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You you are, you are definitely not the first I've heard that from um, uh, just across it's, it's amazing how many grown adults, you know, who may or may not be in middle age, just saying, um, have, have moved to relocate. You'll point that finger at yourself, Fred. I'm pointing at you. Yeah. um, It's amazing Uh how many people have moved to be closer to loved ones because I mean, why not? It just makes sense. The world has changed. Speaking of the world changing. So you and I think I can say your press, right? Arcanist uh-huh. press. Uh-huh. You have well, you got a whole bunch uh-huh. of neat stuff out. But what really got our attention is is your book, Ancestry and Culture, An Alternative to Race in Five E. Uh-huh. And um I, you know, I don't think Brad, you and I haven't talked a ton about this topic over the past few years of or several years of 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 just getting back into RPGs. But um especially because um in in my teaching we deal with with race a lot and, and it's I mean it's one of the foci in our department. Um I have found myself increasingly questioning some of these concepts in the fantasy role-playing genre. Sci-fi too, but right, especially well, fantasy.
0: You and I have talked about this too, because we've yeah. kind of talked about what companies seem to be more right. on the exactly. forefront yeah. of doing this versus mm-hmm. some that tend to be, I don't want to say so much resistant, but just Slow haven't fully grasped yeah. it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and so we're, I mean, we you're welcome to, To be as forthright or as with as gentle as you like about this, but (laughs) maybe maybe we could just start by picking your brain, because I mean, as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, you've literally written the book. I mean, hopefully this is the first of many that are going to come out, you know, worldwide as people catch on. Mm -hmm. But but for now, you've written the book and literally one of the only books that addresses this at all what was the impetus? What was the genesis, Gwen? Why why actively respond to this concept of race in, specifically in this case, d d but in RPGs in general? And then maybe we can transition to how did you create what you created as an alternative?
1: Sure. Um, so it isn't, I can't take credit for identifying this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I learned about it. It's mostly from authors, creators, players gamers of, of color and marginalized yeah. communities yeah. so for example in 2011 i think i wrote i read uh, an essay by n.k Jemison, the sci-fi uh-huh. author mm-hmm. called the unbearable baggage of orking and in it she talks about i encountering orcs i think she might have been thinking about like world of warcraft or something oh, but because sure. she's a like a video gamer mm-hmm. but uh you know there are these sort of like just subhuman they're dumber than humans. They're more violent than humans, and really, the best response to them is to take a firm hand and either kill them or, mm-hmm. put, you know, keep them in line through violence. Mm-hmm. And she said it really made her uncomfortable because it reminded her so much of the way in which, you know, like African Americans had been treated in America and elsewhere. Mm-hmm in the past few hundred years. So it really ruined a lot of fantasy for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, I I had also encountered criticisms of Tolkien's kind of like the men of the West, you know, versus the evil, darker men of the South and East, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious to see these as having racial overtones. And so it's not like I was the first person to see this. Uh, But in 2019 um, I was I was running a game. I'd been running, I'd been running a DMing a campaign for I don't know, 2014 or something. And wow. we went to level 20, one to 20. Oh my god. Yeah. We did the full thing. Wow. And uh, but I was aware of this problem and I would create stuff for my players just for yeah. fun, you know, little yeah. mechanics and mini games and stuff. And uh I ha- I was reading people trying to address this. So mm-hmm. there was a couple mm-hmm. articles I read on D Beyond and of people trying to come up with alternatives to the kind of way in which Dungeons and Dragons associates things that we normally would think of as like behaviors or like, or moral codes with race, with who your parents are. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody's like, okay, being born evil is really problematic, blah, 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 blah. you know? um, And there's a whole history I can talk about if you want to hear about it, about like Gary Gygax and racism and all sorts of nasty stuff. So just, okay, let me just give you one little taste of what I mean when I'm saying like it's endemic in this subculture Um, though, clearly not. I'm not saying everyone is racist who plays Mm -hmm. or anything Mm -hmm. or who creates it. But for example, um, there was a message board in the early 2000s. So about 20 years ago, where, online, uh, and Gary Gygax was on it before he died. And somebody asked him, hey, Gary, if I have a lawful good paladin, so this is supposed to be like the moral exemplar mm-hmm, of the universe, mm-hmm. this is the person that most instanciates, uh moral goodness and perfection. Right. Um, can they, what, what would they do with uh, orcs or goblins or evil races that surrender? Would they kill people that are Voluntarily putting down their weapons and asking for mercy, and he said, and then some people chimed in and said, "No, of course not. They're they're a law- lawful good. They're they're mm-hmm. the ones that would arrest them, right?" And mm-hmm. he said, "No, that's stupid. They're they're not. That's lawful stupid. They would." This is Gary Gygax, the creator yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons. He's like, "No, they'd kill them. They would kill the unarmed prisoners who are trying to surrender." And he then, and and then somebody said, "Well, what about children? Like, what about like you? You know, you defeat the orcs, but in their village are orc children." You kill them. Yeah, yeah. And then he he actually quoted a guy named Chivington, John Chivington, which was a colonel in the US Army, I think, in the 19th century, a real person
0: mm-hmm.
1: who was responsible for conducting a really horrific genocidal massacre of Native American women and children. Wow. And he and that quote is, and he even says, as Chivington once said, knits make lice. Wow. So Chivington said that about Native Americans. Kill yep. the babies because they'll grow up to be adult Native Americans, mm-hmm. which you want to kill is yep. the idea. So tr- So subhumanizing, it's awful. Yep. It's really an awful thing to say about people. Mm-hmm. He said it. Okay, now he's talking about orcs and stuff like this. But the mm-hmm. very fact that he's using the very language of right. genocide in the right. real world to mm-hmm. talk about these fantasy races and how we should treat them mm-hmm. just really reinforces Jamison's original point that like, right. ee, there's a lot of unpleasant overlaps here. I don't like yes. that. Yep. So my thinking was, okay, look, it just so happened that at the time I was running that game, I, I didn't have any players of color. They're all white. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, well, I wonder what it would look like to try to fix this, like to fix d d so yeah. that you can still have d d mm-hmm. but it doesn't have this gross racist, it's called you know, racial essentialism, right? In it. Yep. Um, and there are a lot of people that have tried and I didn't like, I, I, I recognize the value of what they're doing, but what they almost always did was make it more complicated, right? Oh, they're like, God. okay, you've got a, instead of choosing a race, you've got like a number of points and you can buy traits and, and it's really, and there's all these menus of options. And it was like, oh my God, I'm not playing D and I'm playing like GURPS or some other game <laughs> that's much more complicated than not D and D. And then, of course, Wizards of the Coast later, after my book, their solution was um, whatever you want, just choose a race and then change the traits. See, it's not essential. But then what you lose is any narrative coherence. And the reason Mm -hmm. it's nice Mm -hmm. to be able to say I'm an elf or a dwarf is because everybody is like, oh, okay, I know roughly what that means. But if if the rules are I'm an elf, but doesn't who knows what that means. In my case, it could mean Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. It's you kind of why bother having elves? Right, It's like you lose mm-hmm. the narrative value. There's no information gained anymore when you can say you're an elf. So I wanted to try to find something that still felt like DD. You d We yeah. can still kind of lean on those fantasy tropes a little bit without it being gross. Uh, and so then I came up with something for my table and one of my players was like, this is great. You should put it online. But then there was this thing called ZineQuest, the Kickstarter hosts periodically, mm-hmm. which is like a DIY book, right? Mm-hmm. So you... Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'll send a goal for $300 to buy one piece of art for the co-. Um, And it, it got that in, like, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And then it, it, it hit, like, seven or eight grand, which is kind of a lot for, like, a, a black, you know, like a PDF zine, basically. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is a thing. So then I decided to found Arcanist Press and put it out as a oh. book.
2: Oh, interesting. That's what
1: actually created wow. it. Wow. And that um, then it ended up, here's the thing, though. I was still just responding to this 2019 kind of discourse conversation. Yeah. I put it out right at the end of May in 2020. Uh, or no, 20, yes, 2020. I don't remember. I'm getting my years confused. I think 2020. Everyone,
2: and, uh, Gwen, is getting their years we're, confused. It's we're
1: okay. we're, in, we're yeah. in
0: 2020 part three at this yeah, point. So right? Okay. I think
1: so. <laughs> so anyway, whenever it was, sometime, you'll you'll know when it is because of what I'm about to say. Okay. It was. It came out the week before George Floyd happened. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then the Black Lives Matter movement exploded again after it was founded mm-hmm. at ferguson but it kind of had this huge resurgence yes. in, in that period and in the tabletop gaming world there was then again this big debate yes. about race again yes. and my book just happened to be coming out right at the right time wow <laughs> so i think i got a combination of uh lucky yeah. timing i wasn't planning on that it just right. obviously i didn't know but uh with maybe it's a decent solution too
2: yeah i i'd say so i wow i i yeah. So, identify a problem, in practice, write a short book on it. Found a press to distribute that book. I mean, that's yeah, right. that, yeah. That's just, just why not? Because of all the free time you undoubtedly had, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yes. So, can you can you tell us about for those who don't know about Arcanus Press? What what can you tell us?
1: Oh sure. Um. So I originally created it in order to put this book out. Yeah. Um. And so I put it out in May. May of 2020, after the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And then I've put out five or six more books that are yep. in that kind of in mm-hmm. that vein, in that series, that expand all the options and so yeah, on really and so cool. forth. And then I've co-partnered with a friend of mine's company, Sigil Entertainment, and a bigger company called Pinnacle Entertainment, which yep. makes the game Savage Worlds and Deadlands. Yeah. yep. Lands. yep. And uh, they, and created a, I wrote a superhero game now, that's the newest thing, called S5E, which takes the fifth edition rules of Dungeons and Dragons and makes it into, changes it to make it a superhero, modern superhero game,
0: okay. uh, if you're
1: into that thing. And that, we kickstarted that last summer, and that did pretty well, yeah. and uh, now it's going to be, Pinnacle is putting it in like a high, you know, like a fancy hardcover with the little ribbon, bookmark, that's, and all that crap. Yeah, that, so,
2: congrats, that's super that was, cool. Yeah. That's, Wow.
1: So Arcanist kind of, kind of got subsumed into uh, Pinnacle a little bit when they took yeah. up that project. And uh, I've since, I'm still, I mean, Arcanist Press still exists, but I'm now move, working as a full-time game designer for 2C Gaming, which is a, like a middle-sized gaming company yeah. as well, putting out other stuff. So that's uh, the short version. Of uh, the story
2: that's, fa- I mean, we really never know where the paths are going to lead to. It. Mm. God, that is not a joke. Okay, so coming back then to Ancestry and Culture, the, mm-hmm. the book, but also the concepts. So, mm. um, I mean, okay, so they're, they're just there's so many places we can go with this. Probably most of them are better for like definitely like it should be sitting down over a cup of coffee or something and spending a few hours to get into the weeds, but but um. The balance between ancestry and culture, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense, right? We know that it it recognizes both the, the the biology and the society of being human. I think it's it's in how you explain it in the book, very straightforward, very well grounded. Um, but I'm curious. So where I got tripped up is mm-hmm. so mechanically and it's just because we haven't had a chance to play it mechanically what does that look like if someone wants to well first of all everyone should go and buy this but then and and get the get the printed cuz it's just a beautiful little volume and i got to say the artwork really helps to tell the story yeah it, it really nails it um i i was so impressed with that um especially the cover but, but how would this look if someone wants to, in a nutshell, if someone wants to move beyond race and use ancestry and culture and have it mechanically work, what are some tips you can give them?
1: Sure. So the short version of what the book does is, now remember I, I alluded to these more complicated ways of solving the problem. Right. Now, traditionally what you do when you make a character in D&D, as you know, is you choose race mm-hmm. and then you choose class. So you might say elf. Fighter, yep. so everybody who is familiar with D and D knows that first step very well. It's like, am I an elf or a dwarf or a gnome mm-hmm. or a human or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I do is basically I just ask you to make that choice twice. So, the first one is who your parents are yep. or your ancestry, mm-hmm. and that gives you half of the features that are normally associated with your race. And then you'd make a, make the choice again. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the other half. So if you choose yeah, okay. Elf twice, yeah. you are mechanically identical to, in the original system, oh, okay. you choose just Elf.
2: Choose that simple. Okay. Right.
1: So if you mm-hmm. choose Elf for your first choice and Dwarf for your second, then you have half of your racial traits are Elven and half of them are Dwarven. Right. And, th- and it's just, and and the way it's broken down is if you have Elf as your ancestry, you get things like Elf. Uh, your your age is elven. You know, you're know you going to live right. a thousand years. Mm-hmm. You get dark vision. You get mm-hmm. that thing where you you don't sleep. You just go in a trance. Because mm-hmm. those are promo- almost certainly like biologically inherited. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas mm-hmm. you get dwarven weapon training and heavy armor proficiency and all the stuff or smithing tools or whatever, all the stuff that would be part of the dwarven culture. Yeah. And then that's what you get instead of like Elven yeah. longbow or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then of course you get the Dwarvish language instead of the Elvish mm-hmm. uh, as, as your language, in addition to common. So mechanically the output yeah. is absolutely equivalent to the original yeah. system. It just yeah. is. It allows you to mix and match uh, some of the choices.
2: Yeah. I was really overthinking it. That that's, that's really elegant. And that's really, yes. when you explain it, that's really straightforward. And I got to say what I like is I find that very resonant with my thinking because like the way you just described it and the way you described it in the book, it's obviously more realistic. Like if, if we were gonna say, look, this is a fantasy world, but we want it, and it, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah magic, but we want it yeah. to also be rooted in some sense of reality. right? I mean, Brad and I are always talking about games and reality and whatnot. And, yeah. and this to me allows one to do that and kind of make potentially Far more interesting characters than anything that's just pigeonholed. Like, especially like, well, 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 I'll just stop there. I think it 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 allows for a far more nuanced, far more realistic and playable character.
0: Well, I think it it you know just be, how you simplified it. I can only see it as it creating a richer experience. Yeah. For yeah. For gamers, just my opinion. What's been um, obviously, I I suspect you've kind of implemented this and and integrated it even before maybe you publish with the the team or the game group that you DM, mm-hmm. what's been the kind of the feedback you've gotten from other groups out there?
1: Yeah. So it's, that it's been, I mean, setting aside for a moment people that have knee-jerk reactionary responses that anything you're, are you, yeah. you know, you're challenging us that you yeah. must, you know, blah, blah, blah. Setting that aside. Um, you, I've been the, the kind of surprise Wonderful surprise for me was yeah. how much it does do for narrative for the story. Yeah. Because if you just if you're creating a character and you're like, okay, it's step one race, okay. Elf, I guess, right? Or human, like how boring. everybody and like, okay, I guess I'm an elf. We're all the same, we're just generic elves. But if you say, I'm an I'm an elf raised by orcs, all of a sudden That's you're like, What's the story there? Right. And uh, I'm an elf raised by orcs who became a druid. You know, it's like you want to know, like that just tells so much. More story. And it's like an easy, it's like it doesn't add a lot of complexity to it, but it, it, the narrative payoff is huge. Yeah. I will add one other thing. After I created the book, I went back, I realized the potential for something. So it's at the back, it's at the end of the rules, it's an optional. Um, choice. So normally what happens when you choose your ancestry, this does add mm-hmm. one wrinkle of complexity, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's too much. Um, you just choose elf, dwarf, gnome. But what I give you is the option to choose mixed ancestry. Yeah. And so what you do is then you choose one trait from each from two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. you're like, well, I want the this thing from the like stone cunning from the dwarf or whatever. And I want a uh, fate or fate trance or whatever from the elf. Mm-hmm. And then you can tell the story of, I have, uh, my character has is uh, elven and dwarven heritage. Like yeah. they have an elf parent and a dwarf parent. Right. And it, that's, yeah. cool. that's what the art does for me. The art yes, exactly. is almost all characters that are of mixed ancestry. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I love that because that does create again, even more. You're like, wait a minute a halfling and, and an orc had a baby, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, how did that happen? I want to know this love story. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah. uh, that's really a lot of fun. It lets characters kind of yeah. have such rich, uh, yeah. stories and backgrounds. So that, that's been probably my favorite, uh, Kind of surprise payoff is the narrative benefit of doing that. And it's like I said, it's just so much more fun. I mean, after all, if you lived in a fantasy world where all of these fantasy races are all living together.
2: Exactly. We, why we wouldn't know they?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and and yeah. the thing that currently d has, which everyone's like, this is a little weird and creepy. Only humans are having sex with other people because you can be a half elf
2: still sounds on brand, but we're with you. Right. But it's
1: like, well, why wouldn't you can have a half elf (laughs) and you can have a half orc, but you can't have a a parent, like an elf orc. You know what I mean? Also the whole half language, generally people of mixed ancestry aren't real keen on that because, right. It's really problematic. So like, instead of talking about halves and you know, like what, how much blood quanta you have or something, you, we just say, well, pick two, uh, of the mm-hmm. ancestries and you were mm-hmm. of these ancestries. Yeah, That's however Smart. you want to calculate that. So that ends up being, I mean, after all, here's another thing that's fun is, you know, yes, it's true that elf is a trope that we can all lean on to make right. It's like a narrative right. shortcut. And so I, I do add a little more complexity to that, but it ends up that actually classic fantasy has a lot of characters just like that. Like, you know, one way of thinking about Aragorn is kind of he's like a human, sort of human with elven kind of right. cultural characteristics. Right. So it's almost like he's a human raised by elves. Mm-hmm. You've got like Carrot Founderson from like Terry Pratchett is a human raised by dwarves. Mm-hmm. Like Those kind of like fish out of water, like odd person out. Those are the ones that go on the fantasy adventures. Yes. So mm-hmm. it feels like it actually does a for me a better job of capturing like classic fantasy tropes that way too.
0: That's really cool. I, I'll go, I'll go out on limb here and hopefully it's yeah. offensive. I don't see that as complex what you said with that. Fair. I just see that as mm. um, maybe it takes a little extra time mm. during your session zero character right. build period. Yeah. Right. But by doing that, you're, I can just think Jason and I haven't played a ton since we started doing this, started getting yeah. back into it, yeah. but I can just think Jason, just you and I together when we game this, we could spend a lot of time just developing I mean, our I mean, I got to go back
2: and redesign the wizard we haven't played yet because yeah. I didn't have this yet. But again, in terms of that little bit of complexity added, Gwen, I mean, right, multi-classing. It's more complicated, so you have to, you know, there are a couple more steps. It's well worth the payoff. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I have, I have, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot with a philosophical question.
0: Right. Well, relative. didn't you say you weren't going to put her on the spot before we started recording? way to go Already. Well, Bring well
2: <laughs> this is i think this is okay because you are you are a philosopher by trade right uh-huh. yep. and and you know you're talking about essentialism racial essentialism uh-huh. and whatnot and so um as i was as i was prepping for this for this discussion and as i was you know reading your book and then um and then i it, this i was triggered again by something that i read in i one of the D books on my shelf um I know what it was. It was when I was when I was making that wizard that we haven't played yet. Um So one of the things that's and and, and I I get it historically, and I get it, I guess, narratively, kind of like the same reason why in Star Trek and even Star Wars, most people look oddly human. I get the practicality. You might know where I'm going with this, but there there is clearly in. In D and D, and just the fantasy RPG realm, there is clearly just basic human essentialism, right? <clears throat> like even if we stick with D and D races, w- you know, y- you go through the races, and if you're human, well, you don't stand out. You're just good at everything a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I wonder. I mean, yeah. undoubtedly, you thought about that. I wonder what your response to that is, and how you have worked with that.
1: That's a good question. So I'd say it depends exactly what your kind of complaint is or question.
2: Not a complaint, so, just to a quandary. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the way you're thinking about this problem. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you might say, "Why are all of the playable races so humanoid?" Is that what you're suggesting? Like they I'm all sorry, are. Sorry, basically-
2: no. I was I was drifting. It was back. I am okay. curious specifically because I get that. Like But humans but- are boring. <laughs> Why humans are buffed from the beginning, right? There's this basic essentialism of we're kind of milk toast, but we're kind of good at everything as opposed yeah. to the other races, each have their one or two things. And I'm just curious because you've kind of written the antithesis to that.
1: Yeah, so... I think this isn't just fantasy, actually. I find it to be, like, the a super common trope in sci-fi, too. Absolutely. Is, you know, like, humans venture out into the intercultural galaxy, and they join the, you know, like, I'm thinking, like, Mass Effect or something. They join the council, and people are like, those upstart humans. And the difference between humans and other species is that they're, like, more ambitious or they're more, yep, exp- right. like, exploratory or, yep. like – what why right Why? Well, I, I never i didn't never bought that like this gets kind of like this human exceptionalist thing mm-hmm. and it's like i th- i think that if there were intelligent races that we encountered they probably would be just as right. exploratory and adventurous as we are or mm-hmm. maybe far more right why would we be that special um i'm kind of anti-anthropocentric in that way mm-hmm. um so what's the solution in fantasy that's tough because mm-hmm. i felt I was pulled in two directions. One, I wanted to solve this problem, but two, I wanted to make the solution still identifiably Dungeons and Dragons and compatible with default vanilla Dungeons and Dragons. So I couldn't radically re-envision or reconceptualize what being human meant. I did make changes. I did make it so that they are, um, they're not more powerful. They're just more, uh, they're slightly, uh, honestly, they're more boring, but they're a little more flexible. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. in other words, you just get to like choose what skill proficiency you want or something instead of it being like one mm-hmm. of these four or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and things like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I talk a little bit about like maybe they are you that you have the option of one of the other alternatives is to have a multicultural culture option. That's one of the like optionals rules at the end too. And so it's like, imagine humans just end up picking up like little bits of like half a dozen fantasy languages or traits from three yeah. or four other fantasy cultures. Mm-hmm. So I imagine them as being more like uh, maybe they're more like better, they're good mimics or something because they're yeah. a younger race or whatever history yeah, right. fantasy right. pantheons. So they're kind of like learning from these other cultures more. That was the spin I put on it because I wanted it to still feel like D&D. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. seems to loosely slot in with D&D kind of cult, like uh lower they're the new kids on the block, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. All these other fantasy races are much older and more established. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. Spin. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. If I could take a right turn for a second, so mm-hmm. how is this? Um, I don't want to say affected, because, but you know, how is this played into the work you're doing with other games, with the development you're doing with other games?
1: So we use an, an, an ancestry and culture mechanic in the superhero game. So for example, and again, when I say it this way, you'll be like, oh, well, of course. Yeah. Um, when you choose your race or your ancestry uh, in uh, the superhero game, you might choose human, like Earthling or mutant, a like human or mutant or alien or someone mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. like far past or future, like time-traveling human. Um, but we all know that one of the most common tropes in comic books is a, an alien sent down to earth as a baby you know superman uh, and raised on earth or a human who is ends up discovering that they're an inhuman or a mutant right, yeah, uh, right. Uh, so they're a mutant ancestrally but they're a human culturally mm-hmm. an earthling culturally right or they're or you're um to go in the opposite direction you are a star lord and you're ancestrally a human but you're raised in space Right, so yep, you're yep. like, oh well, it works perfectly in comic books too because we like stories like that. Apparently,
2: yeah. I keep thinking of the Kirk phenomenon, which is a bit of a side, but but similar kind of challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I so I, I have a bit of a closing question, but I so I want to turn it back to you, Brad, uh, to make sure that.
0: No, I think know, that and just so people know, when you're talking about the superhero game, you'd kind of mentioned this before we recorded this S five E. Right. Uh-huh. This is kind mm-hmm. of a five yes. mm-hmm. derivative for those of, for those of our listeners that aren't oh, aware right. of it. Um, what's the game? What's the name of the game? Just
1: uh, S five E superheroic heroic role-playing for fifth edition.
0: Oh yeah, It's like, okay. And that, because I'm notorious, Jason laughs. I'm notorious to do a little purchasing while we're in the middle of a <clears throat> in the middle of a recording. Whereas so.
2: little means it's amazing he wasn't already on the computer ordering. No, we're not joking. <laughs> well, because um, I didn't know. That's why I had to ask. I I, so. I know. I know. Okay. So so wait, So this is this is out or it's coming out?
1: Uh, it has been released to backers of the Kickstarter, but we are doing that thing where we're we don't want to put it on sale just yet because yeah. Yeah. you know, so the Kickstarter backers feel special. Oh absolutely. Um, yeah. so you can pre-order it through backer kit right now and then so it'll be cool. appearing on Pinnacle store page and drive-through awesome. RPG and stuff soon yeah yeah that's
2: incredible so okay so my 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 last question then is I mean you're you're obviously so busy with these projects <laughs> and and you 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 put out like you said earlier you put out a bunch of follow-up material to ancestry and culture right it's it's uh-huh. it's it's a wonderful rabbit hole that Brad as soon as we hang up can start to order um and it, you you laugh but there's but truth both, to that. but there's that. truth to that yeah. yeah um but but given you're working on these other things right now these other projects is there any chance in the future you will come back to dnd to continue with this idea
1: um we yeah i i did i have one more book of of ancestries and cultures oh, that i plan yeah. on putting out eventually mm-hmm. um just got sidetracked by the big kind of superhero thing yeah um but that doesn't mean, of course, I'm finished with Dungeons and Dragons, right? Okay, uh, it just, I mean, we if with this final book that we'll be putting out, we've, I mean, it's been like something like 150 or 200 ancestries and cultures you can choose from, you know, like... Every anthropomorphic animal race, yeah. and and I tried to use just draw from every kind of like global mythology and like all kinds of weird new so things. Oh, cool. And also bizarro ones, like you can play like a swarm person, or you can play like a headless horseman, which is <laughs> called a, dul- a Dullahan, which is like a, you know, a. a <laughs> Uh, mythological character anyway so yeah, all yeah. kinds of weird stuff to play which because it's fun um but uh now i'm moving on because i'm working for a, another company called 2c yeah. gaming yeah and i'm doing DD stuff with them we just are finishing up uh a book called weird wastelands which was uh, written in concert with the web dm youtube channel yeah. people mm-hmm. yeah they had a big kickstarter uh, wow. like a year ago and they hired us to help them uh, produce the book so i was writing content for them up until that's very recently. Awesome. so i'm still very immersed in D&D for sure
0: good I'm Chase, I, can, I was going to ask a question if i know that, that's kind of a good wrap up question but i need to backtrack for a second just cuz i'm <laughs> personally curious now is again on brand is, yeah if, <laughs> if if have you gotten any thank you have you gotten like any feedback or communication has wizards reached out or anything or no they're yeah.
1: they're notoriously they don't generally take on ideas from the community directly. What'll happen is like there was a big uh, ferrari about it, big hubbub. My book was the thing that people were often pointing to and saying, hey, what about this? They issued a vague statement that said they have plans in the works. And then six months later, they put out Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything, which had a one page thing stuck on the front, which is like, okay, so you might be worried about race. Um, Just do whatever you like. It's great. It's an optional rule. The end, and they just moved on. And a lot of people were like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people think nowadays that they are getting ready to yeah. present something newer in the whatever 5.5, which is coming right. in 2024. What that will mm-hmm. look like, I don't know. Let me put it this way no one's called me and offered yeah. me a fat check. <laughs> well, that's so, strange.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah well, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> yeah, because don't you think that that publications like Radiant Citadel, some of the stuff that's coming, I mean, it's kind of hinting at an interest to move in this direction.
1: I think so, and I think you'll. You, I mean, I think that they've been trying, and I don't want to yeah. sound like I'm overly critical. They've been made. They're a big ship. It takes a long time to turn. Um, and they also are kind of stuck in, near the end of a cycle of product, product, uh, products and they can't just like pitch, bin the original player's handbook at this point or something. They need to make it all uh, backwards compatible. So right. they've probably right. had their hands tied basically a little bit. Um, so they're trying to make gestures in that way, direction here and there. Uh, and they're doing a better job with whom they are hiring to write their products. Radiant Citadel is a great example of the like yeah, it's the most cool. diverse book yep. they've ever uh, staff they've ever had on a mm-hmm. book. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Um, but um, yeah, I think they're gonna do something to address this more substantially mm-hmm. when they're able in 2024. Yeah. I hope. I got. Yeah. I I want
0: to be able to. do, We'll put this in the show notes and everything. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to um, before we wrap up. Uh, Just so folks know where to um, hit our penis press and get your books. But one, again, one more question. We told you half an hour, but I keep coming up with these in my head. Did you, or have you seen um, acceptance or resistance to any of this generationally? Like by like Gen Z is a little more open to it versus Gen X or millennials or anything like that. I'm just curious because, you know, younger players are playing this now versus even prior to pandemic. So I'm just wondering if you saw any sort of change in yeah, the tide yeah. or anything.
1: I mean, it's what you'd expect, right? So mm-hmm. players that yeah. started playing in fifth edition, when Wizards was at least trying to make some efforts at diversity, you know, like, give them credit. The player's handbook had a black woman as the human piece of art, you know, for example, or the fighter, you know, like there's all mm-hmm. this... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're trying, especially in the art, to be diverse. And, you know, there's a lot of gender and sexual orientation diversity in, in a lot of the adventures nowadays. So, and that's just the way everyone is talking, too, in the community. So, uh, um, yeah, younger players, because they're, they don't have, they're not falling back on 30 years of what it used to be like are more likely to be accepting of this. They're also more likely to be across the board. They're more likely to be whatever queer or, you know, LGBTQ or whatever. And, uh, but I'm still, you know, it still happens that I'll meet like a, you know, I met, I talked briefly to Ed Greenwood, the creator of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. uh, Who's, you know, he created it before D&D existed. Mm -hmm. uh, And he was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. So, you know, he was on board with the idea of this. So, I mean there it's not you I wouldn't want to oversimplify it as a generational mm-hmm. battle but yeah, yeah you know it's kind of not just completely like, cut and dry no I mean it's yeah. it's maybe yeah. like voting habits you know what I mean yeah
2: yeah that yeah that's a good way to that that's a good way to put it Gwen thank you so much for joining us um mm-hmm. this is it, it's even more it's even more exciting now. I mean, I just keep looking over at the book. It's I'm eager to I'm eager to use it in play. Of course, I mean, we're both eager to just play someday again, but but I'm eager to try this. And especially with you titrating it, it's it in retrospect now, it seems so clear how this can work. And I'm really eager to use it with those backstories and the narratives. Um, this is really cool. Thank you so much.
1: Oh no, thank you for having me. It was a fun conversation. So,
0: thank you to uh, Dr. Gwen Marshall for joining us tonight. We could have we could have talked with you, Gwen, for probably another half an hour. I think I kind of alluded oh, to this. Oh, probably at the
2: beginning. way way more. But it really should oh, have yeah. been over something like coffee
0: and yeah. Some I think pleasing. you I think you alluded yeah. to that, you, or you yeah. even said that in the interview. If it, I
2: the, the, the next step was this was going to become a coffee house conversation where we'd be there for several hours and have to get kicked out of close.
0: Yeah. And, and to have someone that learned and a mm-hmm. philosopher, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who could talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. um, nerd time. So what I propose is for our GM corner, let's move over there, is, yeah. is let's kind of wrap. Yes. I, I, we, we, I don't want to say we're going to wrap up a bowl about this because this is something no. that's going to continue to be a topic for us and I hope for the community for a long time. Yeah, we will we keep coming 30. back to this yes. over episodes. What is, so, you know, just I, I alluded to this at the beginning and um, <clears throat> one of the things, and we're going to talk about this during uh, the episode that we're, t- we're doing, where we're going to talk about some addition, some world building.
2: Yep. Yep. That's coming out that, in the future. Or, yeah. or, 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 or actually, <clears throat> sorry, we've already talked about that, but you and I have more planned. Yes. That's, but now so, it's going to change a bit in the future. because. Well, that's my plan. point is, is that yeah. when we
0: come back to that topic. Um, you know, I've talked about the length of time it took me to build homeland, the world. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah your homebrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My homebrew. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this, I, I got in, a, I got an immense amount of joy out of doing that. It yep. was an yep. absolute blast. to do. Yep. I sit here and think to myself boy I could have just as much fun yeah just building I could see myself building three four or five characters and just keeping them in my hip pocket mm-hmm. um, for when you know inevitably you know with all the gaming we're doing sarcasm and we, I will right. right so but it, and I mean that in a, in a good way you and I are very busy we don't get to play but this this one yeah the way Gwen explained it tonight mm-hmm. not that the book wasn't clear for no, me it just simpler, the light bulb went on agreed and i i don't know i'll uh, you know i i'll let you discuss it but for oh, me wow. it's just all i want to do right now is get out her book in the player's handbook and, and build, build, a, character. And build a character i yeah.
2: know i i i mean it's you know we we're fortunate we we continue to get to talk with and meet really lots of really interesting people really interesting creatives um and, and sometimes, right, that light bulb goes off. And I think that's a really good way to put it, Brad, because for both of us, I mean, I could see it uh, with both of us. It was like, oh, yeah, click. This is this is like like we need to hang up so we can start working on characters. Like I said in the interview, uh, I have that wizard that I built for for just because I wanted I I was ready to play a wizard finally. But now now I want to go back maybe in the I next could... week or two and and rewrite some of his story and and then i really like your idea of putting it in a shared document where we can essentially share narrative back and forth on some characters
0: yeah and i and i think it. well i'll i'll leave that second part out just about our next adventures and all that but i and think how
2: you're gonna kill my pcs but go on
0: no 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 this time i won't because i think it would almost be disrespectful to to, to quentin to do that just <laughs> everybody
2: you heard that right okay yeah
0: yeah unless you try to use uh uh what was it uh short axes or what were you using where you had yeah that's right yeah throwing axes throwing yeah. axes yeah Turns as long as you don't that, choose that as a yeah. weapon of choice then you will be fine um Actually, you won't. But yeah, no, um, I'm just going to true. give you a small false sense of comfort. Yeah, the, I just I am. Normally, we give each other. We're getting back into a mode now where we are recording, um, the pre and the post. You're getting a little fourth wall break back yeah. back. We're we're stage doing approach. it all
2: together together where it's we so have much better for us.
0: Yep. So yep. you're getting. Whereas
2: we have had time to process. Yeah. You're getting our fresh responses.
0: You're getting our visceral reactions, which are, which are, I think are still processed. It's just, to Mm -hmm. me, there's an excitement having coming out of that. Have I have coming out of that discussion? Yes. Um, Yes. A real excitement about what this can do for our gaming and um, what this could do for games that we are involved in, where we might not even be leading the game.
2: And, and how, how it, it's one more venue where in D and D and, and other role-playing games uh, can be forces for good forces for a better world, not quote unquote merely because they can be healthy to play because they allow for positive socialization, etc. cetera. Uh, they relieve stress, but because they can help to
0: normalize
2: what we want the world to look like. I'm which gonna, is pretty
0: cool. It is. And I'm going to end with a, uh, in a somewhat rhetorical question, because I think the only person that could really answer it, neither of you and I, you and I yeah. could provide conjecture. Yeah. The, the question I have, and that I leave to everyone here, is the book, you you heard Gwen talk about this. The book came out May, 2020, right around mm-hmm. the time of um, George, the George, George Floyd
2: murder, murder and all yeah. the
0: unrest. Yeah. Yeah. So, if that book had come out, or if Gwen had tried to put that book out five years ago, yeah, what would have been the reaction? And Gwen, I should have asked you that. I leave that as an open question. We'll have That's to have question. you back. Um, but I just I and I I ask that not in a negative way. I'll flip it, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet. Is it obviously seems to have been the right time, yeah, for this material to come out because yeah. we are seeing yeah. a generation. Of gamers come in that will be so much more, um, so much more open to this idea yeah. than perhaps even. On, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yep. impugn anyone, but I just think there are. So everyone,
2: let's, I, Brad. It's a great rhetorical question, and no one can answer it. No, um, everyone, thanks for joining us. Think about the question, and um, and think about please uh, role playing games ttrpgs making the world a more fun and truly better place be well stay well really looking forward to talking to you in the coming weeks with the guests we have lined up